Hello and welcome to the Brighton Adventure Story podcast. A bit of urban fantasy during lockdown. Chapter 1. The Droplifters The Easter holiday was not going quite as well as James had hoped. For one thing, even though it was a school holiday, he was still at school. For another, he had to run cross-country around the field every single day. But the thing he found most surprising about it all was that he didn't really mind. In fact, he was quite enjoying it, compared to being at home anyway, which was probably how the trouble all started. James's heart was racing. His legs felt like they were moving through syrup, despite the fact he was running as fast as he could. The finish line was so close, but he could hear the footsteps behind catching him up. Mrs. Fairweather cheered him on, and he just stepped over the line before Maisie tore past him. The younger girl peeled off and sat down on the slope in the shade of a tree. "'Well done, James,' Mrs. Fairweather said. "'Keep going. Once more round.' James slowed to a trot and ran past the teacher. He was breathing hard and he had a stitch, but he kept moving with a smile on his face. By the time he finished his final lap, the eight other children were sitting with Maisie on the slope. James staggered over to them and they clapped him. He was last by a mile, but this was the first time in three weeks that Maisie hadn't lapped him, and he felt the clap was well earned. The head teacher came out to join them and brought them all bottles of water. He put a box of them on the ground and then backed away. The children lined up, two metres apart, to take one, and then sat back down in the shade, still keeping their distance. They were used to it by now. James even had a particular clump of daisies that he sat by. Mrs Fairweather, their allocated teacher for the day, was clearly enjoying the sun herself. She wasn't in any kind of hurry to usher them back to the IT suite that had become their classroom under lockdown. Max, another year eight, was giving everyone the lowdown on the latest movement of the Droplifters. That was the name of a group of youths that was terrorising Brighton's doorsteps during lockdown. Well, that's what the local paper said. In reality, a few kids were stealing parcels. My dad had a go at the Amazon guy when he came yesterday, Max said. Told him he shouldn't go running off after ringing the bell. James would normally have argued with Max, told him that the delivery people were right to keep their distance. But Max was stuck in school five days a week, so James felt he was entitled to rant a bit. The guy just got back in his van and drove off, Max went on. Didn't even reply. My mum calls them the packet pinchers, Maisie said. That's funny. We call them the package pirates, Eleanor said. The woman next door told us they nicked a box of cat litter she ordered. Cat litter? What do they want with cat litter? They don't know what's in the parcels, James said. They just take any they see. Some of the parcels might be valuable, some of them not. Droplifters, Max said with authority. That's what the Argus calls them. In other news, all the supermarkets were almost back to normal. One of the local parks had to be closed for overcrowding, and there had been a series of break-ins of local businesses in the town centre. When Max had run out of local gossip, Mrs Fairweather let out a sigh. I suppose we should get back to lessons, she said, and she led the way back up to the IT suite. 
lessons sounded rather more grand than reality. Each child had their own computer at least two metres from the nearest neighbour, and they used them to access the same work that everyone else was doing at home, or not doing. But that was it. Apart from the daily cross-country that counted as PE, they stayed in the IT suite. The head teacher even brought their lunches up for them to eat at their desks. Apparently that meant less staff had to come into school to clean things up. But James didn't mind. He had settled into a nice routine. It only took him about an hour to complete the full day's work. After that, none of the teachers seemed to mind what he did. He could program on Scratch, watch YouTube, play games, anything he wanted. And even though he didn't actually get to see them, he could still keep in touch with his friends through email and messaging. When he sat down, he started writing a message to Jenny, his best friend. She was isolating at home, but not like everyone else. She was completely isolated, wouldn't come out of her room at all, did everything in there. Even though she hadn't felt sick even a little bit, she had it in her head that she was a super spreader and didn't want to infect her family. It was all because everyone in her dance group had come down with symptoms after their last rehearsal. All except for Jenny. So now she wouldn't leave her room. James wanted to tell her the news about the break-ins around town. But he stopped before sending it. There was no point. Jenny's phone had broken a couple of days ago, and that was her only link to the outside world. James only found out that her phone was broken because he had popped round when she stopped messaging and she told him out of her bedroom window. If school was going surprisingly well, his days at home were not. He was at school Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, then home for the other four days. This was all because his mum had to go into the London office every day and his dad could only work from home Thursdays and Fridays. His parents were taking James's lockdown very seriously. Today was Wednesday, which meant that when James left school, walking out in the fine spring sunshine, he was walking towards four days of boredom. And so he ambled along, taking as many long cuts as he could find, while all the time heading in the general direction of home. He had decided to cut through Withdean Park, up and over the hill, and then make his way to Preston Park. The only two moving vehicles he'd seen so far were delivery vans, one for a supermarket and another for a generic online shop. Another white van pulled up ahead of James and the driver got out, fished a parcel out of the back and ran it through the front garden to the door of a yellow painted house. The driver knocked twice on the door hard, put the package on the front step and then quickly jogged back. James paused to give the man space to cross the pavement. The driver smiled at James through his homemade face mask, then got back in the van and drove up off the street to his next stop. The package sat alone on the front step, waiting for the inhabitants to emerge. James walked on, fishing his own mask out and putting it on. Jenny made him promise to wear one, and he felt slightly guilty about forgetting it. There was a twitten ahead between two houses, it was a narrow path punctuated with steps that led up to the woods on the north side of Withdean Park. James had stepped off the pavement and up the first set of stairs at the start of the Twitten when he heard someone talking on the street behind. Where'd he go? A breathless voice called out. Up there, I told you. Get a move on and check the doors as you go. 
a second voice hissed. There had been no one else but James on the street. Who else could the voices be after? Something about their tone told him to be careful. He tucked in close to the fence and watched the street through the gap between the houses. Two youths on bikes rode past, a few years older than James. Both wore face masks. Both had paper round bags slung over their shoulders. Neither of them paid any attention to the Twitten or James. He relaxed a little, enough to let his curiosity get the better of him. He moved level with the house on the left and leaned out to look back up the road. The bikers stopped by the yellow-painted house. One of them jumped off his bike and ran up the stairs, quickly stuffing the parcel into his bag. The other one stayed in the road with the bikes, heads sweeping watchfully up and down the street. A lookout. James ducked back behind the house and thought. It was the package pirates, no, drop-lifters, whatever they were called. It must be. He had just witnessed a crime and felt he should do something. He was torn between confronting the gang and getting as far away as possible. Before he could make up his mind, he was distracted by a movement on the road at the bottom of the Twitten. Thought so, the lookout said as he rolled into view. A spy! Get him! The lookout jumped off his saddle and started up the stairs. The other biker, the thief, skidded up to the abandoned bike. You can't leave your bike, the thief called out. It might get nicked! The lookout paused and turned back to the thief. James didn't wait to see what happened next. He turned and sprinted hard up the Twitten to the next set of steps and bounded up them three at a time. The Twitten opened out and became a path into the woods behind the house. James was glad it hadn't rained in weeks. The ground was dry and firm under his pounding feet. He was less glad that he'd tried so hard at the cross-country. His thighs were burning already. And the mask wasn't helping. He risked a glance back and saw the lookout dragging his bike up the last stairs of the Twitten. The path ahead forked. James took the steeper route, but he knew that if the drop-lifters split up, they could get in front of him once he left the woods and had to cross the open grass of the park. He pushed on, hoping that he could lose them in the trees. Something grey flashed over his head. James ducked instinctively. Had the bikers thrown a stick at him? The blur landed on the wide trunk of a tree ahead of James, where it stuck for a split second before springing off. It was squirrel-shaped, well, the shape of a squirrel with no tail at least. It arced towards James, coming to rest lightly on the boy's left shoulder. Hi, no tail, James managed, still running hard. I'm a little busy right now. In response, the no-tailed squirrel sprang forward along the path and took a hard right turn between two bushes. James didn't need to be told what to do, and followed the squirrel with a leafy leap of faith. Leaves whipped his face, but they were not thick enough to really hurt. To James's surprise, he found himself on a thin trail, a rabbit run that was not visible from any of the actual paths through the woods. He ran flat out for a few seconds until the path opened to a small clearing surrounded by thick bushes. A dead end. There was a large tree at the edge of the clearing, and No-Tail was standing on a low branch. When James stepped forwards, No-Tail hopped up to a higher branch that was at least ten feet from the ground. It was clear that the squirrel still wanted him to follow. The climb, easy for No-Tail, looked hard for a human. 
James did not like the idea of getting stuck in a tree. Where'd he go? The lookout's voice drifted through the bushes from somewhere behind him. I think he's in the bushes, the thief replied. They were close. If James pushed his way out of the clearing, they would almost certainly catch him. He swallowed and pulled himself carefully up onto the lower branch. He stood up, hands on the smooth trunk for balance. The tree was bigger than he thought, too wide to shimmy up, and even on tiptoes he couldn't reach the higher branch. It was useless. He heard a rustling from the path that led into the clearing. No-tail scampered back down, pausing near James's shoulder before returning to the higher branch. Where No-tail had paused was a deep groove in the bark. James put his left hand in it, and it felt solid. There was a big knot by his left knee. He pulled at the groove, kicked up on the knot, and stretched up with his right hand. With only one hand and one foot on the tree, he wasn't balanced, and started to swing out. Then his foot slipped, and he almost cried out, but his right hand slapped hard onto the high branch. He swung silently for a second before getting his left hand on the branch too. Then he pulled himself up, walking his feet on the trunk before swinging his upper body onto the top of the branch. At that moment, with James hugging the branch, the lookout burst from the bushes into the small clearing below. James held his breath and the rest of his body completely still. The older boy below him took a second to determine that it was a dead end and disappeared back the way he came. James breathed a sigh of relief, but he knew that he was not out of the woods just yet. <laughs>